0: team, love you guys. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through to 17. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through to 17. You ready for the Bible today? Yes. And it says this, and we're gonna, um, just in full transparency right now, full honesty, we're gonna get into some uh, dicey territory today. So I wanna encourage you to pull out your notebooks and uh, pull out your Bibles, uh, get your pen ready, uh, because we gotta walk through some scripture today that's gonna be, for some of us, uh, potentially a little bit like tricky to navigate, and, and you may be wondering what I'm saying. I'm gonna try to be as clear as possible. Um, here's what I love about preaching in the way that we're preaching right now. If you're new with us, uh, we've been in a series that's gonna take us the better part of this year, a year-long series in First and Second Peter. Um, here's what I've found so much fun about this series is that I'm being forced to preach what the Bible's telling me to preach. Come on, somebody. This is, why, this, is, this is why exegetical preaching like this is, is a lot of fun um, because we can't skip through things. And so I wanna make sure that we target and hit what we need to hit. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 17 says this. Every shout, submit. Submit. Yeah. <laughs> you did it well, good job. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people. Not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but as God's slaves. And in verse seventeen, uh, Peter will give this injunction that supports what he was saying. And this is—it's really the how-to of this issue. So he says, submit to human authority. But verse seventeen is going to give us the how-to. How do you do this? What does it look like? And he says, honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, fear God, honor the emperor. Say it one more time. Honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, fear God, honor the emperor. Today, as we continue on in our series, You Are Here, I wanna speak to you from the subject, the house that God built, and here's kinda like the little qualifier title, is A Place Called Honor. A Place Called Honor, as we deal with the issue of honor and honoring people. Will you pray with me just one more time? Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful and has the ability to transform us from the inside out. Speak to us right now. And God, I pray in this moment, as we dig into your word, that our minds would be sharp, our hearts would be ready to hear from you. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. Um, how many of you would agree with me, show of hands, that high school's weird? Okay, so let, let me just, don't, like, this is not a trick question. How many, of you, how many of you would say, high school's a weird social experiment? Come on. Right? How many of you liked high school? Is there anybody who's like, man, I wish I could? Okay, cool. How many of you hated high school? You're like, that was stupid. Um, all right. We're, like, we're half and half in here. I was thinking about high school the other day. Erica and I were high school sweethearts. Aww. Yeah. We were junior high sweethearts. Um, it was, um, and elementary school sweethearts. Um, she had a thing for me. And so, um, <laughs> she hates it when I do that. Um, so, uh, but we were high school sweethearts. I was thinking about, it. we've been married 17 years. I was thinking back to our high school uh, our high school days and, and dating moments. And, um, but as I started thinking about high school, I started thinking about how weird high school is. It's a, it's a funny social experiment to me, the, the things that we do. And now high school students are even weirder to me. I love you all in here, but strange. Um, <laughs> so uh, I remember the lunchroom in high school. You guys remember the, the lunchroom in high school? Um, everybody had their their different table section. Right, the, the jocks. This is what we call them then. The jocks would sit over here, and the band people would sit over here, and the golf people would sit over here, and then there was people like me who didn't really have a camp. I wandered everywhere, and uh, said hi to everybody. That was like that was my thing. And so we all had our lunch, our, our lunchroom things that we did, and and uh, the reason that I'm starting to like once again process is my kids are getting older, and so I realized that they're going into high school soon, uh, which is actually not going to happen. We're just going to keep them at home and lock them in a room, and so. Um, But uh, one of the things, though, that struck me, uh, I played high school sports, Erica did high school sports. I swam and uh, I was uh, voted team captain when I was a junior in in high school going into my senior year. And uh, one of the things that was really weird in high school to me was the whole letterman jacket thing. Like that was just a funny, and now that I think back on it, like the letterman jacket was a really big deal. How many of you had a letterman jacket? Where where are my letterman people? Okay, cool. Eric had one, I got one, you got your letters. And, and uh, I remember working to letter, working the letter in high school was a really big deal. Do you guys all remember this? It was strange. <laughs> Still is a fascinating concept to me. And so I, I remember a ceremony that we had on our swim team for those who were getting their letter. And it was a big deal. Now, the swim team lettering was a really weird, it got even weirder because you had a bunch of, a bunch of boys in Speedos with leather jackets on, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird picture from the yearbook. <laughs> right? <laughs> Here's our swimming Letterman team, and everyone's in a Speedo and a leather jacket. With, it was stupid. Um, so I remember all these guys standing on the side of the pool and and uh, letter jackets on and Speedos on and they were getting their letter and everybody was clapping and parents were there and, and the whole nine yards. And it, was, it had this reverence to it. It had this awe to it. Everybody would, it was like a really big deal. And, 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 and it, what, what it was at the, end of the, at the end of the day was us trying to honor somebody. It was us trying to honor somebody. Now you might think like, well, that's a weird illustration. You could think of honor in so many different ways. Oh, don't worry, I have. There's all kinds of other places that we, that we give honor. It was my first experience where I saw honor at work. I didn't understand it then. I've never been in the military, so I don't understand honor that way. I know how to honor those who have. I know how to honor those that have. Come on. I haven't been in, in the service industry in that way, whether it's fire or, or, or police or National Guard, paramedics, so on and so forth, even our hospital. I, I, I haven't ever experienced it personally, so I, I don't know how to receive honor from that perspective, y'all with me? but I know what it's like to, to be in a Speedo with a leather jacket on and be honored. <laughs> Everyone's gotta delete that image. The dictionary defines honor as high respect and great esteem. Many of us think of honor in military or service terms. We, we see it simply as a reward or a designation, but to honor, to really honor and be honorable, to be one who honors others is so much more. The Hebrew word that we have for honor is the word kavod, K-A-V-O-D, kavod. And it essentially means to add, listen to this, to add weight in a world that is so desperately trying to assess dignity and worth upon people. I wanna suggest that the Bible provides us with the appropriate how, and it's to honor. Oh, come on somebody. It's to honor, it's to add weight to people. Now I realize that there is a tension that exists as we press into this subject matter, and that tension is usually articulated with this statement right here. Well, what about? How, how do I add weight to somebody? How do I honor somebody if, if they dot, 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 or they don't dot, 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 y'all with me? And I can feel the tension in the room right now because you're starting to connect the dots in this scripture. Peter is suggesting something to us that right now in our cultural moment is ludicrous to think about. Many of us in this room All of us, across all of our services. This is a very uh, diverse church, background, and and, and, and ethnicity, and and race, and age, and stage, and, and political ideology, and thought process. Come on, somebody. And so to talk about this could get dicey. And so many of us are filling in the blank. How do I honor somebody that's done this to me? How do I honor somebody that disagrees with me? We're we're gonna talk about all this. Peter is very clear as he defines for us the direction of our honor. If you've ever, uh, like, what's he talking about? This is the direction of our honor. It flows to everyone. Oh, you're getting quiet again. Let's try this again. It flows to everyone. Now, we're gonna deal with the, the nuance in just a moment, but we need to make sure that we are clear on this. And as a side note, I believe that for the church to enter into the complex and extremely difficult conversations that we're facing today as a culture, honor is going to be the key that gives us access to people's hearts. Honor is gonna be what gives us the access to people's hearts. I do not believe that this is a cultural moment that the church backs up and and goes away in. I actually believe that we've been called to have a voice in the world around us, to have thoughts, to have perspectives, but at the end of the day, what I'm suggesting to us is that honor is going to be the thing that allows us to step into the space that we so desperately need to step into as we reach the world around us. Now let's deal with the nuance. Peter begins this section by encouraging the very difficult task of submission. Everybody shout, submission. Even more difficult is the task of submission unto the entity that he's suggesting that we submit to, and that's the government. <laughs> okay, do not shoot the messenger. We just read scripture. But don't worry, track with me. But he gives us the qualifier. Let's read it again, 1 Peter 2, 13 through 14. Submit, everybody shout, submit. Submit. Everybody shout, submit. Turn your neighbor and say, "You need to submit." Yeah. <laughs> Turn back to neighbor and say, shut your mouth. Okay. <laughs> submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or his governors as those who are sent out by him too. Now I want you to I want you to hear. Look at these words. He says to do what? To punish those who do what is evil, and to praise those who do what is good. Peter is saying that civic authority has a very specific lane that they are to be in. We are to submit where matters of this lane are concerned. Generally speaking, we see this defined biblically as the rule of law for punishment and praise. Punish those that do evil, praise those who do what is good. This is what Peter's saying. But we have to remember who Peter was writing to. He was writing to first century Christ followers who did not live anywhere close to the conditions and realities that we live under today. Stay with me, engage intellectually for a few moments, okay? The civic scope that they lived under was exactly as described, under as emperor and governors that did exactly as they were told under such leadership. These leaders were human and exemplified both the greatest and worst traits Of human leadership. However, for Peter to write these things to first century followers of Jesus had many more implications upon their lives than currently upon ours. Peter is attempting to help these people navigate life-threatening issues when pertaining to their engagement with civics. You all with me still? Okay. This is important because when we do the contextual work necessary to deal with this piece of scripture, we must realize that the audience of Peter was dealing with a very different set of circumstances than we're dealing with today. Y'all still with me? I'm gonna ask that multiple times because I wanna make sure that you're with me. I'm trying to be very clear. I'm gonna stick to my notes. You're not gonna get flippant emotional outbursts from me right now. (laughs) So with all that being said, let me say this. There is a difference between honor and submission. The imperative that is found in the injunction to honor is not blind submission, but rather spirit-graced respect even towards those that we disagree with and oppose. And to be clear, as Christians, we can both disagree and oppose. As Christians, we can both disagree and oppose ideas, ideologies, perspectives, and people who do not align with our scriptural allegiance. It's getting quiet in church. This is a very important truth that we must begin to anchor ourselves in, especially where this is, where there has been a hijacking of the term love and what's being placed upon Christ's followers when someone says our job is to love. Showing honor is not the abdication of our convictions. Showing honor is not the abdication of our convictions. We are to live with biblical truth as our true north, and we are to honor those no matter who they are, even when their truth is in stark contrast to the Bible. What we are seeing right now is that the world is pushing for us to assimilate their truth in order to be seen as people who love. To be clear, Jesus never changed his conviction in order to make room for someone else's perspective or proclivity. Four people clapped on that one. Jesus never changed his conviction in order to make room for someone else's perspective or proclivity. I have to work through all this because we're working through these verses to get to where we need to get to. Jesus was able to provide dignity, respect, honor, and love all while keeping intention the truth to which he was ordained to proclaim. The truth is, is that when we abdicate our conviction, we are no longer honoring people, we are lying to them. Mm. Mm. Write it down, can I be your pastor today? When we abdicate our conviction, we are no longer honoring people, we are lying to them. I get the tension, as followers of Jesus, we wanna love and and care for people. But it can never be at the expense of the truth that will ultimately bring freedom to people. The same freedom that many of us here have received in and through Jesus. Honor plays a very important role in how we actually love the world. I would dare to say that honor is the doorway to loving well. And this is where we've got it mixed up. We say things like our job is to love everybody. I wanna suggest to us that the way that we love is through honor. The problem is that honor is hard. Come on, somebody. Especially in our quick to call out and quick to cancel culture. We have replaced honor with cursing. And I'm not talking about four letter words. All those, those have been inserted as well. This is Peter's thought. He'll say it in chapter three, verses eight through to 12. Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. For those who want uh, for the ones who want to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil. Oh, snap. <laughs> this is what he's saying. For those who, who want to, who, um, for the one who wants to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit, and let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. We'll see this in the teachings of Jesus, Matthew chapter five, 43 through 45. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Some of us are like, yeah, that's great, let's do that. Then Jesus has to go and change things on us. But I tell you, love your enemies and then pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Amen. Luke six twenty-seven through 28, but I say to you who listen, notice he's saying it to those of us who wanna listen. Some of us can ignore it, it's cool. But to you who wanna listen, he says this, love your enemies, do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Apostle Paul would echo these words in Romans twelve fourteen. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, let me be very clear. This does not make those who call themselves Christ followers, pacifists, or stoics, or doormats, as this has been the common thought. Are you all still with me this morning? Okay. So he's not calling us to be pacifists. He's not calling us to be stoics. He's not calling us to be doormats. Many have come to the conclusion that to be humble and to honor is to take a passive or stoic role in life situation, relationships, civics, etc. No, 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 that's not what it means because he gives us the qualifier. What he says, honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, fear God, honor the emperor. Honor. I do not believe that we are called to be pacifists. The Bible is teaching a spiritual principle that's found when we learn how to honor. Honor is a disposition that produces blessing in our lives. And the truth is that this is very difficult for many of us, if not most of us, as I've just said, because honor is hard. Come on, someone needs to write that down. Just put honor's hard, let's just tell the truth in church. Right, everybody, everybody say honor's hard. hard. Come on, let's tell the truth in church, honor is hard. Isn't it hard? Some of us get really uncomfortable with it. We don't, we don't have honor. Anybody. Two reasons why honor is difficult. Write these things down. First is honor is difficult because of familiarity. Honor is difficult because of familiarity. Mark chapter six, verses four through to six, Jesus said to them a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown among his, listen to this, among his relatives and his household. Because of this Jesus, watch what the Bible says, he was not able to do a miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he was amazed at their unbelief. He was going around the villages teaching. This one's really important because we can actually dishonor God through our dishonor of people. What we're trying to do is create a place of honor, a place called honor. The Bible tells us that God, Jesus was not even able to move because there was dishonor amongst the people. He wants to think about that. God. But he says some stuff in here that's really important for us. It, it was saying that honor was hard amongst relatives and, and household. It was once said that familiarity breeds contempt. I found this to be a very true statement, one that that in all of its truth I have seen inflict great degrees of pain and hardship upon both relationships and culture as a whole. Familiarity brings contempt and produces lack of honor because it causes us to see someone in something as normal, mundane, benign, and average. Let's put it this way. Write this down if you're taking notes today. Familiarity causes us to overlook what, what we once thought was special. I've been married to my wife for 17 years. I love this woman. She walked in today and I was like, you look so pretty today. (laughs) I say that because here's why I did it. One, she looked very pretty and looks very pretty. But second, I wanna make sure that we never lose honor in our marriage through familiarity. Oh, you're getting quiet on me, chairs. come on. I would actually suggest that our marriages and our relationships aren't as broken as we think they are. We just might have become familiar with somebody And so we treat him as mundane, we treat him as as, uh, benign, we we treat him as just kind of an ordinary part of of life. Y'all with me? So it causes some dysfunction to take place in our relationships. We can get familiar with the presence of God. Our heart becomes callous and insensitive towards him. Many of us think that we're not hearing from God. Can I just tell you it's not because God's not speaking or not moving, is it possible that we've become hardened in heart because we got familiar. I've been pastoring this church for nine years, almost 10 years now, and every single service that I come into, I, 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 I have to position my heart and say, God, I do not wanna be familiar with you today. I wanna sense you, I wanna see you, I wanna experience you, I wanna hear you, I wanna feel you. I don't wanna become familiar with God. I don't wanna become familiar with you as a community. But we can, we can become callous and hardened, stop seeing something as special as it is. Number two, this is the second reason that honor is difficult. Honor is difficult because of opposition Honor is difficult because of opposition. Psalm chapter four, verses one through four says this, answer me when I call, this is David, God who vindicates me, you freed me from affliction, be gracious to me and hear my prayer. How long exalted ones will my honor be insulted? How long will you love what is worthless and pursue a lie? Know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him, be angry and do not sin, be angry and do not sin, be angry and do not sin, reflect in your heart while you're on your bed and be silent. See, David is facing opposition. It's a real thing for all of us. But the Psalm shows us his pain and his frustration and his issue. He was being insulted and his honor was being come against, yet he said, I will not sin. Can I let you know something? Self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, is still required in our lives even when we are facing opposition. But many of us cast off that part of the fruit of the Spirit because we feel justified, don't we? We feel justified to say what I want to say on on Facebook or do what I want to do on Instagram or hop on TikTok and just rant for a while. I said this last week or a couple weeks ago. Do you know how many times I've, I did it yesterday, I actually was getting ready to send a text and then I deleted it? (laughs) Why? Because I want to honor. Can I be a real person with you guys? I get frustrated too. I get angry too. I feel opposition as well. I disagree with ideologies and perspectives and situations, but I wanna be the type of person that stands in a place of honor, why? Because I want God's blessing on my life. I wanna be a person that gets asked and invited to a table, not because I'm in an in, in a, like opposition type of place, but rather because Jason Parrish is a guy who honors, and so I wanna invite his voice at the table. And when I get to that table, then I can proclaim truth, I can proclaim God's goodness, and the gateway is honor. I wanna honor my wife. And it's in that that we build trust and rapport because I honor her and she honors me. I wanna honor our staff, I wanna honor you as a church. Are you you still with me? We tend to dishonor people when they are seen as opposition to us. Opposition tends to be one of the greatest catalysts for the production of dishonor in our lives. It is natural to want to lash out or dishonor when someone comes against you. It's normal, but this is the injunction to give honor. So before we close today, I wanna look at three truths concerning honor that we need to understand in order to live lives that honor people. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Yes. All right, the first one, every shout number one. There's the first thing that we need to understand about honor, first truth, is honor is only honor when it's motive free. Honor is only honor when it is motive free. Romans chapter 12, verses nine through 10, let love be without hypocrisy, detest evil, cling to what is good, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters, and take the lead in honoring one another. You can only take the lead in honoring one another when there is no longer a motive attached to it. Paul is saying outdo one another when it comes to honor. You can't outdo or take the lead when there are strings attached. Come on, somebody. When the motive for honor is selfish or the motive for honor is manipulative to get what I want, you are not truly honoring. Honor is submission to the divine will of God to add weight to another's life, to assess dignity, value, and worth. Uh, Deja, will you, will you pop up here, bud? Come on, hop up. Oh, you hopped. Yes, you did. Here, stand over there. Um, uh, look at this as, as weight right now. Don't look at it as, as a rock, okay? Y'all, just no more rock, weight. Okay? Lots of weight. I want you to see what honor is. When, when I'm giving honor, I'm assessing weight. I'm actually letting know, I, I want you to see this. I'm letting Dejan know by way of honoring, I'm giving him weight. I'm letting him know that he is worth something to me because I trust him with it yeah. and not because of what he's done. Doesn't matter what's going on in his life. Doesn't matter who he is. Doesn't matter his ideologies or thought process. Doesn't matter his politics. It doesn't matter any of these things. I'm a because I see Dejan. Whoa, that's a rock. Um, (laughs) I see Dejan as one of God's creation. So I assess honor. I honor you. I'm adding weight to him. Dignity, respect. And I know some of us are like, our minds are tripping right now, because you like, but, but what about, but what about? Stop going to, but what about? I'm, I'm honoring Dejan because God's made him. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Now, Dejan, I don't agree with Dejan on everything. There's some stuff that I vehemently disagree with him on. So instead of sending him a DM, I'm gonna honor. I'm gonna let him know that I care about him and I, and I love him, that's, that's how I love. But I'm just, I, I, gotta pl- I gotta make sure that you see it, but I disagree with his thought process on some things. I disagree with his ideologies. I disagree with his politics. I disagree with this, I disagree with that. And He disagrees with me, but I'm adding weight. I don't care what he does. He can walk away and walk away. Guess what? I'm not hurt. It doesn't doesn't matter. Alana, pop up here, stay up here. I need you to hold that till your arms get tired. (laughs) I want you to see this. Alana, I'm gonna give you some honor. Somebody else pop up here. I don't care who it is, just, yeah, Devon, pop up here. Don't hurt yourself. We need you next service, okay? (laughs) Honor like the red hot chili peppers. I'm gonna give it away, give it away, give it away now. You get this picture. But what we do when we have motive is we're saying, I'm not gonna give anything away unless I'm gonna get something back. I don't care if Alana gives me something. I don't care if Devon gives me something. I don't care if Dejan gives me something. My job is to honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, fear God, honor the emperor you guys can put those down right where they're at. Thanks guys. My kids honor us a lot when they want something. <laughs> I'll honor if they change, I'll honor if they, I'll honor if they, y'all. I wanna say this, honor adds weight, flattery adds grease. Mm. When we have motive, you are not honoring, you're being, you're you're adding flattery. I didn't know what the other word, I was gonna say flatterizing, that's not. (laughs) Number two, everybody shout number two. Here's the second thing, honor is only honor when it does not need to be reciprocated. Okay, so that's where these points work together. So one's about motive, but then one is about the actual reciprocation. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, this is what Paul would say. He said, for am I not trying to persuade people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse three through four, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not at his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Once again, this touches on the motive issue, but at a deeper, more core level in our hearts. Here's the problem that we face. Many of us are doing to others in order to receive what it is we're longing for in our own lives. This is the broken place that we often exist in, and we tend to do much of what we do towards others or for others to get back the very thing that we are giving away. When we honor, we must trust God with what comes towards us. I hope to see this at work in our church. I hope we can honor everyone in here. There's people in this room that I, I'm gonna just say it out loud. Can I say it out loud? There's people in this room, I disagree with your thought processes. I disagree with the way that you see things. You probably haven't heard pastors say that up front in a long time. We don't see eye to eye on stuff. Guess what, I honor you, I'm so glad you're here. Keep coming back. I want you to be here. And I may never convince you to change your thought processes or, or agree with my opinions, but here's the one place that I hope we can come to is that we come to a place where we believe in this. That's my, that's my job up here, so I wanna, I wanna honor you. I disagree with people's politics in here. I, I disagree with different ideologies that are in here. I disagree with the way people do life in here. Come on. But I honor you and I hope you can honor me. And I hope that we can shake hands at the door and hug one another. Honor is only honor when it does not need to be reciprocated. So it doesn't matter what comes back to you. Everybody shout honor. Honor. We're gonna get into relationships right after Easter. Singleness, dating, marriage. The reason that we have to hit this now, which I think is interesting, because Peter's gonna talk about, he's gonna say submit, 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 multiple times in the next like, chapter. And the only way that we can do that appropriately is if we understand what honor is. Yeah. Yeah. Number three. every shot number three. Here's the last one. Honor is only honor when it's sacrificial. Yeah. Honor is only honor when it's sacrificial. 1 Samuel chapter 24 verses 1 through, 1 through 8. When I ask if you're getting this and if you're with me, just so, so that you know, on subject matter like this, I never, as your pastor, wanna be cavalier. I don't wanna, I don't wanna sound like or come across as a, in a certain way. So when I ask if you're getting that, I'm asking for your feedback to let me know, yes, you're tracking with me. Does that make sense? Because I actually care about how you process through these things. Because this, this is hard stuff. And the reason that we are working through this is because I don't wanna become the type of church where, where we sit in places and spaces and we start tossing out things in the Bible because we don't like what it says. We have to work through it, it's there. We don't get to toss it out. It's important. In a few verses, we're gonna see something like, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, submit to your wives. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about it. Like, there's big stuff. So I care how you guys process through this as your pastor. Number three, y'all with me? Yeah. Honor is only honor when it's sacrificial. First Samuel 24, one through eight. When Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the wilderness near En So Saul took 3,000 of Israel's fit young men and went to look for David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. When Saul came to the sheep pens along the road, a cave was there and he went in to relieve himself. He had to go pee. (laughs) David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. So they said, look, this is the day that the Lord told you about. I will hand your enemy over to you so you can do to him whatever you desire. Then David got up and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. So I want you to get this picture. Saul is peeing in a cave. And David sneaks in. And while he's relieving himself, he had the opportunity to take Saul's life. And instead, he grabs his robe and he cuts a corner off and he takes it with him. Afterwards, David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, as the Lord is my witness, I would never do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. And with these words, David persuaded his men and he did not let them rise up against Saul. Then Saul left the cave and went on his way. And after that, David got up, went out of the cave and called to Saul, my Lord, my King. And when Saul looked behind him, David knelt low with his face to the ground and paid homage. The honor that David ascribed to Saul was nothing short of sacrificial. David had every right to take Saul's life. Contextually speaking, Saul pursued to kill David, turning his life upside down, ignoring the mandate of God on his life. David was justified. And the story flies in the face of all that is currently common and valued in our culture and society right now. We live in a quick to cancel culture. We live in a quick to call out culture. We live in a cultural moment where robes are no longer cut, but rather lives are taken. Social media has become the cave to which we often go to take a life or to have our life taken. Why do, I, why do I comment on social media so much? Well, because you would never do it to somebody's face. But we will gladly sneak up when they're peeing. Now listen, I believe in accountability and conversation, authenticity, critique, but those are the things that we do, we do and are better worked out in the context of relationship, proximity, and personal engagement. We have come to the place where we now feel it's our right to share our opinion, our dishonor about something or someone that we will never actually engage with, be around, or generally care for. It's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church today. I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna end. We we as a culture have become cave dwellers looking for a life to take rather than spirit led and looking for someone to honor. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. I do not fear anybody else but God. And because my fear is fear of the Lord, I can honor I can disagree. You guys, you guys see what I'm saying? I wanna make sure that I'm very clear on this because I don't want you to think that I'm going someplace or I have a view on something. I disagree with a lot of things happening in our world right now. I disagree with a lot of perspectives. I disagree with a lot of ideology. I am not changing my orthodoxy and I will not change my doctrine. But I can honor everyone. I can honor the people that I bump into in a coffee shop. I can honor the people that are in a restaurant behind me serving me. I can honor people that I that I meet in the airport. I can honor people that come into this church for the very first time. I can honor people that send me bad emails on any given week. I can honor people who have things to say on Instagram and in Facebook. I can honor, 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 I can honor. I can keep running around giving weight to people. Here, here, take some honor. You need to be honored today. And here's the thing that I found is that most of the dishonor that is happening in the world around us is because we don't truly believe and trust that God will do what God is going to do. He is not surprised at what's happening. He is not surprised in the world that we're living in. He is sovereign and he is good. Someone shout honor everyone. This is what it means to honor. Honor. And so, I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet today. I want you to keep the lights up a little bit. Everybody shut their eyes in this moment. Two prayers. First one is this, and I wanna invite everybody, just stay still, please don't leave, don't try to bust out of here fast. First thing is this, first thing I wanna pray for. I wanna pray for those of us with all of our heads bowed, all of our eyes closed right now. Those of us who would say, and come on, can we just be truthful in church today? Can we just have a weighty moment? If you'd say, man, Jason, I need some prayer. I haven't, I haven't honored well. I've actually been very dishonoring. You know who that person is. You know what that thing is. You know that situation. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Come on. If, if you'd say, man, I just need to change my, my view and my sightline on things and I need to get better at honor. Come on, put it up big and tall if that's you today. How many of us just need to repent about it and be like, listen, I've, I've okay, lots of us. Father, right now, you know. I'm one of them. I've said the things, I've thought the things, I've done the things. God, I thank you right now that, that you're changing perspectives and changing minds in here. For those of us who are struggling with this honor issue, we can do better at it. And so God, I pray that you'd heal us so that you change our perspective and we'd be able to see people and see things through your eyes, regardless of what we agree with or disagree with, regardless of what we believe or, or don't believe. It's your word and we wanna be aligned with your word in Jesus' name. with every head bowed and every eye closed in this moment right now, I wanna ask one more question, and that's, do you know Jesus? The one who gave his life for you, the one that gives us his spirit, and it's through his spirit that we're able to do all of these things that he's called us to. I don't know what brought you in here today, but I do know this, you're not here on accident. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around in this room today, If you would say, man, Jason, I wanna say yes to Jesus. We're gonna pray a prayer together. All of us together today, we don't leave anybody out. I'm gonna ask you to just repeat this after me as loud as we possibly can. Everybody say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me, change me, make me new. And I declare in this moment that I'm gonna follow you all days of my life. Today, I'm saying yes to being a follower of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you're making that decision to say yes to Jesus today, would you just shoot your hand up right now? I just wanna know that you're with us, right here, right over here, right over here, right over here, right over here, come on. Oh man, so many hands, right over here in the middle. Come on, anybody else today that would say, that's me? Praise God, come on, can we celebrate in this moment? Come on. Those of you who said yes to Jesus say we're gonna dismiss right now. I need you to book out of here as fast as you can. We've got some middle tables in the lobby, some tables in the lobby in the middle. If you do me a massive favor, I want you to walk up to them. If you, if you lifted your hand today, you said yes to Jesus, and say, can I please get my Bible? And can I please get my book? We wanna put these resources into your hand as you start out this amazing journey with Jesus. We love you so much, and we will see you right back here next weekend as we continue on with this piece of scripture. What does it mean to love? the brothers and sisters. I hope you'll be back next week as we continue on digging into what Peter has to say to us. We love you so much. God bless you, you're dismissed.